Welcome to the Pro Church Marketing Podcast. Are you a church leader or nonprofit director that wants to reach more people online? If so, you're going to want to listen to what John O'Long has to say about the latest trends in online marketing for churches and faith based nonprofits. Here's your host, John O'Long. It's John O'Long here with FaithWorks Marketing and the Pro Church Marketing Podcast, and I am excited uh, about having Mr. Jonathan Mast with me today of Whitebeard Strategies. This is going to be good stuff, and we're going to be talking about AI, and this is the smartest guy I know when it comes to AI. And so, Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today. How's everything going? Well, thank you for the invitation, John. I appreciate it and uh, looking forward to having a conversation. As, as you know, sometimes AI and faith causes a little bit of consternation. So I'm looking forward to where we may go today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that was what one of the things that, that pushed me to reach out to you because there's a lot of talk in, in the circles that, that we run in as far as marketing and, and faith. When in that overlap in those circles, there's a lot of talk about AI and it's definitely um, getting a lot of attention in in every world, but in church world as well and faith world as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a little scarier. And uh, I think in the, the faith-based circles than maybe it is mm-hmm. elsewhere. And so uh, there's a lot of promoting it. And then there's a lot of bashing it that, that I see on social media and, and elsewhere. So I'm interested to get your take on that. But Tell us just a little bit about yourself and Whitebeard Strategies, just so everybody knows who we're talking to. Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, I've been in the digital marketing world for a long time. I sold my first website in 1995. I always like to joke that I've earned all this white hair on my face. It's come naturally. And... um, we started uh, after working for a number of other agencies over the years. I started my agency in 2010 uh, and then actually uh, brought my wife on board and sold it to her in 2014. And together with a great team, we grew that to be a, a seven figure agency. And then uh, I decided, you know, I'd learned a lot of things and I wanted to take those skills and uh, I'm, I'm passionate about AI and I'm passionate about using it in, in many respects. And I wanted to do that. So uh, I started a new agency this past summer, Whitebeard Strategies. And our focus is really on helping entrepreneurs build their credibility online by using AI assisted content, because it allows us to expedite that process and actually create better content when we call it AI assisted. Uh, so that's what we do right now. Awesome. Awesome. Incredible. And so, yeah, the cool thing again with with Jonathan here is, yeah, he's got the AI knowledge and definitely early adopter on the front lines, and uh, I think way beyond anybody else I know. Uh, but but you're also uh, a believer, and so one hundred percent little testimony. Not to put you on the spot, but just a little bit about that's all right. Uh, how you came to faith. No, I'd be happy to. So I grew up in the church and then uh, in my 20s, I made a lot of mistakes and I stepped away from the church because I didn't see the value in it. And uh, I met my wife shortly after I turned 30 
And uh, we both realized we'd made a lot of mistakes in our 20s and that if we were going to try to make this relationship work, we kind of thought we liked each other. Um, we needed to get God back in the middle of it. I never lost my faith in God, but I definitely lost my faith in the church. Got rebaptized. We just dedicated our life to Christ uh, again in that point and have really been focused on since then trying to figure out how I can best serve God to ser use the talents he's given me. Uh, I want, you know, in the parable of the talents, I want to I was talking to somebody that day and they said, what's your ultimate goal in life? And I said, my ultimate goal is really simple. Uh, when I stand in front of Christ someday, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If, if right. I can do that, then I've done what I believe I need to do. And so I just try to live life following God's direction, keeping my ears open and my eyes open and listening to the, the things that he wants and trying to distill what's his will versus what may be my will, because he made me strong-willed. And so sometimes I've got to figure out <laughs> whether it's mine or Christ's in there, but uh, that's been part of the fun and the journey. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that good stuff. So Let's jump in to, to the AI discussion. I, I think the first thing on my mind that I probably should address just in, in the discussions, again, church world, seems to be a couple of extremes. There, There's the, uh, I don't want anything to do with it. That's of the devil. You know, it's going to take over the yeah, world absolutely. and, and going to ruin everything. And Jesus does not like AI. And then possibly on the other end, you know, you read some articles about guys are chat GPT is writing their entire sermon for him, not AI assisted. We're talking just handing it completely over to AI. Yep. So I, you use the phrase AI assisted. And, and so it sounds like the sweet spot is, is probably neither extreme as you know, most, most things in life somewhere there in the middle is probably where we need to land. Uh, so would you agree with that thoughts on that? No, I think a great question. Yeah, I don't fall in either extreme. I, I do believe that, and I've talked to a lot of, of believers that think AI is evil. And I remind them that, you know, we thought TV was evil. Uh, we thought a lot of things are evil. I'm not saying that what's on TV is good, but I don't think the TV itself is evil. Uh, I'm not saying everything on the internet is good, but I don't think the internet's evil. And I think that really applies with AI as well. In fact, I believe that as a Christian, I have a duty to get involved with it and to learn it and understand it so I can figure out how I can use it to support Christ's kingdom. I did a video the other day, and one of the things I said, I was going in to meet with one of the churches that I work with. And one of the comments I said is, you know, I'm walking in, we're going to have a strategy meeting with the leadership team church here about how we keep people out of hell. And that, that offended some people because they're, oh, I wish you wouldn't use quite strong words, Jonathan. Well, no, but realistically, we're called as Christians to help spread God's good word. And if mm -hmm. I can use AI to help me do that or to help those around me do that, I believe personally, that's a good decision. Now, I also believe that garbage in is garbage out. So, you know, it, regardless of whether you're in a church setting or you're in a business setting, if you just want to send it over to ChatGPT and hope it gets it right, good luck. You're going to be embarrassed. And so I believe that AI amplifies our existing skills. If that means you're a pastor and you're using it, can it help you doing research? Can it help you brainstorm and come up with some amazing takes on sermons? Absolutely. Would I trust my entire sermon to it? Not a chance, uh, because I don't think that's a, that's the right way to go. And so, yeah, I, I guess I fall somewhere in the middle there and that AI assisted in using it to as a tool, much like I could use a hammer if I were a carpenter, but using right. it as a tool to help me do better what God's called me to do. Exactly. Exactly. So how, how would you respond along those same lines? How would you respond to someone who says, 
that a pastor using AI to help with his sermons, to help him prep uh, is, is unspiritual and, and lazy. And they really, they're, they're taking shortcuts. Well, I guess, you know, I'd ask that, that same person how they'd feel about a pastor using a concordance or a Bible dictionary or maybe an online version of the Bible, because I'll admit uh, I have a number of Bibles, but the one I read most often happens to be on my phone. Yeah. There's no difference in the words that are on my phone as opposed to the words that are in my Bible, depending on the version that I read. But my Bible became more accessible to me because this is always around. And so I use it. As a result of that, I can say personally, I spend more time in the word because of that than I did beforehand. Part of that's due to maturity, but part of that's due to availability. So going back to your question, if somebody's saying, you know, my pastor used AI and that's not what we're paying him to do, I'd go, well, what other tools does he have? Do you allow him to go to seminars to learn? Do you allow him to watch YouTube videos to be inspired by other great men of faith? Do you allow them to use a concordance to a dictionary? You name it. And if the answer is, well, of course, the difference with AI is it's new, but it's not. Yeah. this is not the AI of our Terminator movies that we saw growing up. This is essentially the world's largest encyclopedia with almost immediate recall. Yeah. Wow. That's a great answer. Uh, a lot of times when I ask these questions, I can kind of anticipate the answer, but I did not anticipate that. That was way better than I, <laughs> than, than I would have answered that question. So that, yeah, good stuff. I, along those lines as well. I heard Andy Stanley, I think he said it, um, he was talking about just being a pastor and he said, mm -hmm. imagine, you know, when it comes to writing a sermon, imagine you're back in college and you have a term paper due every single week. That is yes. sometimes what writing a sermon feels like. And, and I remember I was, I was a youth pastor uh, for 21 years and every Wednesday night, I, that was my sermon. I, I had to prepare a sermon and there are some weeks that, you know, you just got it. You're feeling it. Things are good. Then there's other weeks where, um, you know, and, and churches expect a lot of their staff. Pastors 100%. have a lot of other things going on besides writing the sermon and, and churches put that on them and fairly or unfairly. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this can help them avoid burnout as well. Right. Give them these tools. Well, I think and, you can do that. I, I also think it's a great tool to really understand the, the members of your church and what they need. If, if we, we know some things about our members, maybe we know that there's certain uh, topics that are of interest to them. The, the pastor can't be an expert at everything. They're supposed to be mm -hmm. an expert at, at delivering God's word and being led by the Holy Spirit and teaching us. And, you know, in that context, if I can have a resource that can help me do that faster, and again, I'm going to go back to my concordance example, you know, if, as a, if I was a pastor and I don't desire to be, but, you know, I'd have a parallel Bible around all the time. I'd have a, a concordance around all the time. I'd have Bible dictionaries around because I'd want to reference those so I could gain a better understanding of what's going on. And ChatGPT, Claude, Bard, whatever you want to say, any of those AI tools, they really just provide us with a faster way to do that. And the better that that teacher, that leader is at asking those questions, the more relevant they can make the content to their audience. That doesn't mean it's not biblical anymore. It simply mm -hmm. means that they can come up with ways to, excuse me, to interact with that more effectively. Hmm. So a little bit of an aside, what do you think is, as far as the the merging of AI for search, we're just asking questions versus traditional just Googling something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are, 
obviously like, you know, I mean, Bing has, has already seems to be merging the two a little bit more. So, but is, is, is AI going to replace the traditional search engine? Where, where do you see that going over the next couple of years? Mm, really good question. Um, well, you'll learn, Jono, I have opinions on everything and I tend to share them. So uh, you'll get those here. I, I think what we're going to see is that search in and of itself is going to change to becoming more answer-based instead of list-based. We've gotten so used to going to Google and saying, you know, how do I do this? And Google gives us videos and they give us articles to read and things like that. And that's great. Except AI improves that because now in real time, we can ask that same question about how do I bake a chocolate cake as an example. And because, of course, we've got a, a bazaar coming up at church that we need to do that for. So yeah. I can ask how to make that chocolate cake. And instead of getting a bunch of recipe sites, I'm still going to get those recipe sites. But AI can now quickly analyze its data and it can actually give me one of the best recipes that it that it has available. So I don't necessarily now have to go and look at seven different sites. I can read that recipe and go, wow, that's a good one right there. I'm going to use it. It's, it's going to give us answers instead of just giving us links. And I think that's probably one of the biggest changes that we're going to see there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. I, I think... Uh, you know, in our marketing world, we, we see a lot of, uh, I see Facebook ads like SEO is dead. Um, you know, people kind of alluding to the fact that AI is going to replace this, but I think, yeah, it's just the, the direction is shifting. What you keep mentioning is, is just speed and, and efficiency and exactly um, it's just getting us to what we want faster. So with with efficiency in mind, what what are some ways that you think that AI can make a church, a pastor, um, a leadership team at a church, just the staff, whether it be planning events, planning outreaches, any of these aspects of the church, how can AI improve efficiency and effectiveness? Well, John, I think some of the biggest differences there are going to really revolve around how they want to do things. I Let's, let's take a look at planning an event as a, maybe a place to start. I think AI tools give the ability for team one to collaborate together more efficiently because we don't necessarily have to go to church and meet to talk about the event every time we have it up. We can actually now have a team collaboration and a team chat going in AI where we're utilizing and asking questions and helping us. You know, we can go in and say, look, we're trying to plan an event. And I happen to be in Alabama at the moment. I am often in Michigan, but there's I'm going to plan a different style event in February in Alabama than I am in Michigan, or at least I'm going to have the opportunity to plan a different type mm -hmm. of event because it's not as snowy and as cold here in Alabama. Uh, and so by describing where I'm at, describing the type of event I want, by describing the type of people that we want to attract, are is this just for members and regular attenders? Or are we is this a community outreach event that we're doing? And based upon that, even just as simple as giving it the description of where you're at and saying, okay, I live in you know Baldwin County, Alabama, and here are the major cities, and I'm I'm trying to do an outreach to the community. Again, as an encyclopedia of information, ChatGPT, and I use that term ubiquitously, it can mean any of the AI, ChatGPT has the ability then to, to center in very quickly and go, okay, well, based upon the demographics in your area and what we know about everything from ethnicities to income to education level to you name it, they can help us identify ways that we can better reach out to the community. I think Overall, for a church, the best way to use AI is for brainstorming. It's to help figure out and come up with new ideas, whether you're teaching a sermon on Sunday and you need to figure out a new twist on, on you know, the old Bible verse or whatever the case may be. 
I think it lets us brainstorm. If you're an executive pastor and you're planning, it may help you through the planning process and give you ideas. I love to use it as something for as simple as creating standard operating procedures. And we know in mm-hmm. churches, there's always volunteers and those volunteers need some direction often on what should we do. And, and sometimes we need to make it pretty simple and spell out that, you know, if you come in to do this, you need to start by turning the lights on. We need to make sure the heat's turned on or the air is turned on. We need to make sure we've got tables set up or chairs set up. And we often teach that to our volunteers because we have them volunteer and then join somebody else who's done it before. But sometimes that just isn't possible and or there's not enough people involved. And we find out over the course of a year that event doesn't look anything like the way the leadership thought it was going to look because people kept changing it slightly. Well, why not put an SOP together that the leadership can look at and go, wow, this is great. And instead of spending weeks or months putting that together, literally in a 15-minute meeting, the leadership team can say, here's what we're trying to achieve. Here's the goals. We need step-by-step instructions. And again, because ChatGPT has got a lot of experience, it can come up and probably get you 95% of the way to that SOP that you can now give to the volunteer, and it can do that in five minutes. That is a really good point. I have thought about that so much since i uh, I've I've been off full time church staff. Um, March will be four years, and you know I've been running the the marketing agency full time for four years now. And if there was one thing that I've instituted that I wish I could go back to my ministry and 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 plug that in, is a hundred percent having those SOPs, having those standard operating operation processes in place. Because I did, I mm-hmm. frustrated so many volunteers time and time again. I would ask for their help <laughs> and I would say, Hey, I, I need you to make sure that, you know, we, we have food for the lock in. And I, they, they know, yeah, I need to get some chips and some cokes and some hamburgers, but they didn't know, does the church have a grill? Does, you know, how do I turn in receipts exactly. for all of, to get reimbursed for those things? And I didn't lay that out. And so I had a lot of good volunteers who, were high capacity people and, and wanted to help me, but I didn't, I didn't spend time with them and, and I didn't have time to hold their hand. And so I would just get frustrated and be like, I'll do it myself. It's okay. But had I done these SOPs and been able to hand them, uh, just like I do with, with our employees now on, on our team, we've got, we've got SOPs and you could, you could get hired and, and tomorrow you could know how to do a lot of what we do just by following the checklist. I so wish that I had done that and, and had known about it. It wasn't because I was dumb. It never occurred to me to do that. Sure. I wish someone would have told me what you just said about 15 years ago. Obviously, there wasn't AI to do it for me, but I wish I had just thought to make some how-to guides, some SOPs for people. So that's really, really good. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, pastors are busy. Let's face it, whether you're uh, in church leadership, whether you're just a staff member or a volunteer, we're all busy. And so if we can, again, amplify skills that we already have and shortcut to save time, then we can do more. So we can actually deliver a better experience to our volunteers, which will allow them to allow them to deliver a better experience to our church and to the outreach we're doing. Why not utilize these tools that that I believe we we have at our discretion to use use them for good and use them to help us spread God's word. So speaking of those tools, obviously ChatGPT is the name that everybody knows, but there's lots of tools out there that are AI based. And so are are there some that you would throw out, a few that you would throw out that have a little bit more niche function or they're better suited perhaps for ministry or suited for different things that, that may apply here? 
It's a good question. I think, you know, when it comes to AI, my recommendation is to begin by using what I call the, the major tools that are out there. Everybody sees ads every day for buy this AI tool because this AI tool is for ministry or this AI tool is for volunteers or this AI tool is for whatever. Almost all of those AI tools, Jono, are using the, the, the same framework, the same engine that ChatGPT runs on because they have an, mm -hmm. a, what they call an API that they can connect to a program. So they're basically putting lipstick on an interface and some of them add some value. I'm not saying none of them do, but the vast majority of them, they've simply said, wow, hey, I know churches, so I'm going to give an interface into church. Chat GPT in a church interface, and I'm going to make money. The problem with that is it just, in my experience, isn't worth it. So I recommend wherever you're at, start by using Chat GPT. It is the dominant player in the industry right now. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely believe, I just published a video from a speech I gave. It's $20 a month for a plus subscription. Absolutely worth it for you as a pastor to get that. If you've got a large team and they don't need it a lot, there are other tools that you can use that get access to the API where you just pay per usage. But Basically, for $20 a month, especially if you're a pastor in a church, it's absolutely worth it because of the tools you get. With that, I can I have a text-based prompt. I can ask it any type of question on anything that comes up. I also have an image generation tool that I can use. It gives me a commercial license so that when I need images for the slides or I need this, or even if I'm just conceptualizing things, I can do that for my meetings and I can have that available. And all of that exists within there. ChatGPT has what they call voice, which means if you're like me and, and you don't want to take the time to type, I can literally on my phone turn on voice and I can carry on a conversation with it. It has what they call vision, which allows me to scan a picture and then have it read that context. So one of you as a pastor maybe been at a seminar and somebody put a slide up and you're like, I just want that slide because I can brainstorm off that. But you don't know what to do. Well, now you can grab a picture of that with your phone. You can send that to ChatGPT and say, tell me the text on the slide and it'll lay it all out for you. So there's so many different ways that, that a pastor or a church leader can utilize these tools just to make them more efficient. Gotcha. And, and so what are some of the things, some of the some of the ways that people could improve? Just a, a couple easy steps that, that may give a booster shot to if they're already using ChatGPT or mm -hmm. they're, they they're going to start. Uh, I know when I introduced it to my wife, she had lots of questions that, you know, I had already had answered because I was listening to guys like you. Uh, but, you know, it, it, some of the basics didn't, it just doesn't occur to everybody. So what are some of those things? Uh, you mentioned the, the prompts. What, what are some of the ways to give ChatGPT what it needs to ensure a, a good experience and to get what you want? So I'm a big believer in, in using the, the same framework that I use. And it's a framework I've come up over spending way too many hours with my wife going, what are you doing? I'm going, oh, I'm playing on ChatGPT or working on ChatGPT. She goes, you're playing. And I said, well, I'm experimenting. <laughs> and yeah. what I've learned is that a good prompt is really simple. And people that go, what's prompting? Prompting is like texting. Imagine you're, you know, Jono, if you and I are texting, uh, prompting is really the same thing. It's a way we communicate. It's really no different. But I recommend when you start with ChatGPT that you rem just remember this simple framework. So begin by telling ChatGPT who you want it to act like. So if I'm a pastor and I'm looking to get maybe some insight on something, I might want to say, you know, you're an expert, well-studied theologian that understands. And if you're in a denominational, you can say in this denomination that really understands all of our denominational beliefs and with an intimate knowledge of the Bible. And you could 
pardon me, you can even express the version of the Bible you want it to use. Maybe you're a New King James fan, maybe you're an NIV fan, maybe you're an ESV, doesn't matter. You can specify all that. So one, tell it who it is. Two, tell it what you want. So I could, for example, say you're an expert theologian, well-trained in the Bible and understand it intimately. I'm teaching a passage on John 3.16, and I want to reach out to our church members and to our community to help them understand how that verse applies to them. So again, just a few details, and then end it with this third part. So who do you want chat to be? What's your question? And third, this is probably the most important part. Ask me any clarifying questions you need to give me the best response. And the reason that third part is so important, Jono, is that AI is trained to make assumptions because they know that people are going to get frustrated if it refuses to answer questions. That's what Google Bard does. You ask Google Bard stuff and it tells you, at least in my experience, half the time, I can't do that because it's programmed to, to want too much detail. But most AI is programmed to make assumptions. And that means if you don't give it enough detail, it's going to go off and make some wild-haired ideas sometimes that may not be on track with what you're thinking. But if you have to ask you clarifying questions, now it has permission, which sounds weird, but it will now ask you questions it needs. And that means you don't have to remember everything. If you tell it who it is, tell it how you, what answer you want, what you're looking for, and then have it, you, it ask you questions, it'll literally just come back and say, in order to answer that effectively, I need these answers. You answer it, and now you're going to get a great response because it's going to be tailored in and targeted to write what you're looking for. That's good because I, I think, and um, that's a good learning for me because I, I think I've missed that third part. I've gotten pretty decent at telling ChatGPT, here's mm -hmm. who you are, and, and I'll ask my question. Uh, but then I'll get this answer exactly like what you've said. It's like, okay, that's kind of what I was looking for. And, you know, I, I'll just tend to be like, I'll try again, but this time think about this. And so uh, it, there's a lot of sounds like what's unnecessary back and forth on my part. Had I just ahead of time said, hey, go ahead and ask me the questions that you need to know, because it sounds like ChatGPT knows that it doesn't know everything. But it's like you and I having a conversation too. How many times have you had a conversation with a peer or a friend or somebody at church and you find out that, oh, I didn't say that the right way and maybe they misunderstood you. Then what do we do? We, we ask a follow-up or we clarify after that. And that's what you've been doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. That works too. It's just if you ask up front, sometimes it saves you the frustration of waiting for it to give you an answer that's just not right. And then going, no, I actually didn't mean that. Um, so either will work. I just think that, you know, I have people asking me every day, how do I prompt ChatGPT effectively? Should I buy these lists that I see? You know, I haven't seen one yet for churches, but I've seen them for everything else. Buy my list of 387 prompts for churches. It's only $9.99. Don't buy those. They're not going to be applicable to you. Just follow a simple yeah. framework, like I said. And then over time, you'll develop your own personal nuances to that that work for you. And you're going to get great responses by doing that. Gotcha. So any other little nuggets that that the average person who's just kind of experimenting with ChatGPT or any of the other platforms um, hasn't thought about, would, but would be easy to implement? And what are the cool things that you've, uh, a couple of cool things you've discovered uh, that you would say, hey, yeah, you need to try this. So here's a great one. Pretty much everybody in churches has heard of a spiritual gifts tool, being able to go through and learn what your spiritual gifts are. Um, go through one of those tools and whatever that reading is at the end, cord that. 
do the same thing with a personality test. I recommend Myers-Briggs at 16personalities.com. It's a free test. I don't make any money off that. But go there, spend five minutes to take their personality test. And Myers-Briggs is, or the, the site is going to give you a Myers-Briggs personality code, much like a spiritual gifts. You mm-hmm. can then take that and feed that into ChatGPT. So I'm an ENFP, for example. Don't ask me what it all means, but that's what I am when I go through that test. When I tell ChatGPT that I'm an ENFP and I want it to write as though an ENFP would, all of a sudden, the response sounds a lot more like me. It's not exactly me, but it knows a lot more because now it knows my personality type. When I explain in my case that, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD at 43 and I still have it at 53 and, you know, I am an ENFP and, oh, by the way, here's on my spiritual gifts, where my strengths are, then knows so much about an ENFP that it can tailor the response to fit that. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had no clue, but that is really awesome. Um, What what about, because I can... This popped in my head and, and I can imagine somebody hearing that. It's like, wow, that's getting a little bit scary how well it knows me and maybe how much it knows about me. Um, do you have any fears? Are there any any warnings that you would say or or would you be like, but if you've got a smartphone, the government already knows everything there is to know about you anyway. So don't worry about it. Where, yeah. where do you land there? I guess the example I would give to everybody and try this if you want is, you know, this weekend when you're you're hanging around with your family, put your phone on the kitchen counter. And while you're talking around the phone, talk about something you've never talked about before. So, for example, I don't go camping regularly, but go ahead and and, and make sure, by the way, make sure Facebook's running on your phone because I know this is where it'll work. Just talk about camping or canoeing or something that you don't ever do. Maybe you don't ever go to a monster truck rally. Just talk about, wow, I'd love to go see a monster truck rally. And over the next couple of days, I would bet over half of you will start seeing ads for whatever it was you talked about. Even though you never once entered it in, you never told them your phone is listening. If you don't like it, turn your phone off, guys. I I wish I could fix it. I don't like it either. But I think we need to accept as a reality what the technology around us is doing. We're being tracked all the time. Am I careful about what information I give ChatGPT? Absolutely. It doesn't know everything about me. It doesn't know my family members. It doesn't know that. But over time, I'm sure if it tried, it could put all these data points together and analyze some of that. But telling it what my personality style is, letting it know that I was diagnosed with ADD, I'm announcing it to you, Jono. It's not, I'm not worried about people finding that out. <laughs> right. That's just right. part of the way God made me. So I'm okay with that. At the same point, do I try to be careful? Yeah, I don't have an Amazon Echo in my home because I know it's always listening. Not that I'm mm-hmm. saying things I shouldn't. I'm just uncomfortable with it. And so I don't have one in my home. If you're not comfortable with it and you, I'm sure the people listening go, but you have your phone. Yeah, I do. It's right here and it's on. I know it's listening too. We all have our own idiosyncrasies. You have to determine what makes the most sense for you. At the end of the day, I do not believe AI or any of the companies at the moment are back there trying to gather data on it to manipulate us. I just don't, I don't buy that. To advertise to us, to market to us, 100%. But to to manipulate us and to try to get us to do other things, that's stuff for movies and we may get there, but I don't think we're there yet. Gotcha. So, so last question, shifting to thinking about marketing or or, uh, I'll use the term outreach because I I catch a lot of flack on TikTok whenever I, you know, I hear a lot lot of Christians hate on me because they're like, 
We don't need marketing. We just need to preach the word as though I'm saying we should stop preaching the word and just do marketing. So I think they have this vision of just a slick used car salesman. Uh, but what I'm talking about is using technology to reach more people with the gospel. When I say marketing, that's yes. what I mean. I'm saying I'm with outreach. You. And as long as, as long as there have been missionaries, as long as there have been evangelists, they go where people are and where are people They're on this thing. So if we're going to reach people, that's where we've got to go. So last question, how can we use AI to more effectively reach people who, who don't follow Jesus yet, who aren't already believers? Well, I can tell you one of the things that I do is, you know, if I'm inspired by a verse or a passage or my daily devotions, whatever it may be, I'm going to take that and I'm going to feed that into ChatGPT and I'm going to say, I, I want to share this in a way that it it appeals to non-believers, non-church members. I'm not just posting a verse because I want to look good to my friends. Um, not that I don't post verses. I do that too. But I have a lot of people that I'm connected with that are not people of faith, that are not Christians. Uh, I have some that are in different faiths entirely. And when I do that, I want to reach out to them in ways that hopefully just resonates with them at some level that the Holy Spirit can get into their psyche. And I know the Holy Spirit can do that, but that they're open to that and open to that happening. So I'm going to go to ChatGPT and I'm going to ask it to say, wow, I read this in my devotions this morning. It was talking about, you know, I'm going through one on marriage right now, talking about this aspect of spouses and communication. How can I craft something that's biblical in nature, that has a tie back into my faith, but that would appeal to someone who's not a Christian or not a regular church attender. And based upon that, again, ChatGPT is going to cater that social media message in a manner that I can do that. Maybe I'm looking for to create an image that doesn't immediately scream church, but talks about that same concept. Again, I can do that same thing by asking it to create content that will appeal to a particular audience, in this case, an audience of unbelievers or unchurched persons that I want to read this content. And so I think that's one of the easiest things we can all do as Christians when we're inspired by a verse, a prayer, a devotion. Find out it's great to share that with other other people of faith, but in my mind, it's even stronger to share it with people that are not people of faith, or maybe they've stepped away from the church like I did in my 20s. I still believed, but I didn't think the church was for me. I mm -hmm. had to get another step in my life before I believed that. And, you know, had somebody been able to reach me, maybe I could have done that sooner. And that would have saved me some heartache when I was in my twenties. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So it's, yeah, we're not watering down the gospel. We're just doing some pre-evangelism here. How can we start exposing people to biblical truth without turning them off? Uh, yeah, that man, that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to remember, I'm a sales and marketing guy, John, so I'm biased here, but we don't sell stuff by beating people over the head with it. Um, I'm not saying there aren't Bible verses that we need to be beat over the head with occasionally, but if we begin there, they're not going to listen. You know, if I have a friend that, that is doing something that's not in accordance with my faith, if I just begin by telling him how wrong he is, he's closing the door. He's not going to listen to me. If on the other hand, I can let him know that I, I know and care and I, I have that caring, then maybe over time, he'll start listening to what I have to say, because I'm not being that judgmental Christian that's coming into his life. It's the same reason that so many people, I believe, don't like the church. They feel judged by the church. They love Jesus. They love God, or they believe they do, but they don't like the church because of the way they're treated. And I know that's going to offend some people, and I'm sorry. It's just what I believe. We as a church don't need to water down God's message one bit. 
but we need to show his love just as Jesus did when he was here. He didn't hang out with the Pharisees. We need to show his love to people around us that need it so that they feel drawn to him through our actions. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I, I think about there, there's a Kessing Crowns lyric that says we're a lot of times we're known or let's try to be known for what we're for instead of what we're against. Yes. And we, we spend so much time arguing on social media and, and just really being, really being rude that I, I think we're possibly the ones fueling this exvangelical movement. It's people aren't yes. necessarily done with Jesus. They're just done with the church. And um, yeah, it's, it's sad to see. And, and maybe if we, we're a little bit more loving and, and a little slower to argue. I don't know anyone who's become a, a Christian because they lost the argument. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that's not how it works. And, and so, yeah, yeah. Let's love people, love them with the truth, but, but love people. So, yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't have to carry the truth with us, but we don't necessarily have to lead with what they're doing wrong and point that out first. You know, we need to let them know that, that we care. Uh, a pastor of mine once taught me that, you know, when you want to do outreach, the first thing you do is you pray for them. You don't no. even, I mean, and again, now, now that may be, John, you and I may meet and I may decide I want to talk to you. That may mean a 30 second or three second prayer while I'm walking over to talk to you. But start with that prayer and then let them know that you care. And then yeah. once they know that you care, then start sharing your story. Think of ways to bring them in. You look at some of the best evangelists out there. They don't begin their 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 experience by telling everybody that, Jono, you're a sinner and you're living in sin and you're going to hell. They get there, but they don't lead with that. And I know there's people that disagree with me and that's okay. But I agree with you. There's a lot of people I know that love God or believe they do but they don't love the church because of the way that feels. And I just think that's something that I would love to see change in, in the world and, and them really understand that the church is God and it's his people and his family. And it's a wonderful place to be. It's not a place that you're going to get condom, con condemnation for. We've all got issues. We're all, Amen to that. we're all messy. We're all messy. And there's room, there's room for one more. Come on, come join us. We're, we all got problems. So yeah. Well, Jonathan, look, I can't thank you enough for, for talking. This has been great. Everybody, if you're listening, you know, if you want to learn more, uh, go to whitebeardstrategies.com. Definitely follow Jonathan on social media. Uh, I promise uh, it would be worth your time. So again, thanks so much, Jonathan. Thank you, Jono. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for personalized suggestions to help grow your organization by reaching more people online, please email jono at faithworksmarketing.com.